Hello, this is your host, Paul Harvey at Life, Passion and Business. I realise I put this at the end of the programme most of the time. And I also realise I don't often listen to the end of podcasts. So I thought about it, i tell you here before we get started. So the first thing is this podcast is not supported in any way. We have no sponsorship. So if you would like to support us, do check out the Buy Me A Coffee link on this podcast app. And you also find it at the website. Now, also, if you are interested in the five questions and would like to answer them yourself, do check out the resources tab at the website because the five questions is available as a workbook and an ebook. And if you want to know why that's important, check out the end of the podcast or go and check out the resources tab at the website. That's enough for me. Let's get on with the program. My name is Paul Harvey, and you are listening to Life, Passion and Business, a podcast born out of my desire to find greater meaning in life at the time when I thought there was none. Since that day, I have spoken to hundreds of people, and what I have discovered is that our story is everything, because what we do, feel or experience is based on the stories that we tell ourselves. It's time to explore what it means to live a good life. How do we make this experience better? And more importantly, how do we lead the world to a better place? And we had a huge party. Um, A lot of traders came in from New York. It was in Palm Desert. And the moment we got back, I came in to go to work and my computer wouldn't turn on. And I looked at my boss and he's like, no, don't look at me. Look at the head boss. I'm like, oh, okay. So I went in and she's like, nope, we have to let you go. Our story in this podcast is a transition from the rough and tumble world of finance to healing wisdom and soul work. On this show, you will discover the importance of sacred clearing. We all clean our physical bodies, but there's more to life than this physical plane. Janine Kim was an adopted child with red hair and a firebrand personality. She had a wonderful early life in the 1970s Chicago. Life was different. For Janine, childhood was experienced outside of the house. It was a place of freedom to explore. As a sensitive child, the world was full of seen and unseen experience. She left home at 17 and threw herself into the world of gravitating towards money and finance. Without a college degree and qualifications, she had to work her way up from the bottom and eventually becoming an IPO trader. In the 1990s, finance was still running on the Wall Street mentality where greed is good and women in the industry were commodities. She was among among some of the first women in the 1990s to pursue and win a sexual harassment lawsuit and challenge this behaviour. That firebrand personality served her well, and she was good at her job. She trained others and built teams. But while life was rich on the outside, it was somewhat empty on the inside. And there was a calling. Back to that sensitive child running wild in Chicago. She found a path through yoga, and that was the start of her journey towards healing and the drive to share it all with others. She signed up for a healing training in China, That would mean leaving her job to make it possible. She would have to choose to release her income, security and health insurance benefits. And the universe had other plans. Our story is that journey and how the universe always has a hand in the process. 23 years later, she's now a yoga teacher, author and helping thousands of people reconnect with their guidance and wisdom. I hope you enjoy this conversation. 
with Janine Kim. We're all about the journey. Where did the journey start for you? Thanks for having me. I appreciate that. I'm excited to be here today. Well, this uh, the passion began actually in the early 2000s, 1999-2000. And that was a turning point moment for me when I actually left the corporate world, the financial industry. I was an IPO trader in La Jolla, California, and I went straight into healing work. But my the love of that healing work began in the 90s, and I've been this way my whole life, but I was doing it right along with actually my financial, the financial daytime job, my daytime work. So let's take well, you I, back before the day, because you see that that's the transition point we're interested in, but it's really interesting to experience the journey before then. So what did you want to be when you got big? Oh, what kind of child was I? Oh, my goodness. Well, this, you know, <laughs> we're talking about the 70s. So <laughs> well, I'm a child of the 70s as well. So are you really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Born in 1967. And the 70s, you know, I, I feel like in that time, all I was thinking about was, you know, what the clouds looked like that day, because, you know, mom would open the door at eight in the morning and say, come back by lunch. It was just a different childhood that I grew up in on the south side of Chicago. But during that time, I was, you know, when I was young, I was intuitive, I would have these dreams. Mm. And the dreams, I would say, like one, I remember I was a real young girl, maybe about five years old, we were going to a, a photo shoot thing for um, to raise money for the cradle where I was adopted from. And so we're on our way. And I said, you know, mom, I had a dream of this place that we're going to. And I was telling her what the house looked like and the landscape. And we get there and it's the exact house. And I wow. was like, four or five, and I remember it so clearly because the poor woman was like, you know, didn't say a word. Of course, I interpreted that as, ooh, not good. You know, the energy shifted and it was it was scary and weird. So my whole childhood, things like this happened all the time. Another one of our I, guests had a similar experience. She would see all sorts of stuff, but she was in right. South Carolina, I think. And so, you know, laying on her hand. So she had to keep quiet about it or she'd be, you know. Yes. Well, yeah. 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 The, priest yeah right, right. Called, the priest would have been called. <laughs> the priest would have been called in. It's so true. I mean, that's, I was raised Catholic as well. I don't know if, I'm not quite sure that I was afraid of the religious component, but I see how that is a huge piece of it. And it certainly didn't align with the Catholicism that I was raised with, right? Like there was no place for what was happening with me, mm. but I was always drawn. Um, we were religious as well, but not really strict. So I had my own relationship with, you know, God, source, the universe. And I loved astrology as well. I'd read the horoscopes like in the back of the newspaper or Cosmo magazine, you know? And so those parts of me were always in there. But then I moved out quite young, just with a tricky childhood, and it um, I had to survive, right? So survival took over, and I just got a job in the city, a bunch of different jobs, and landed in the financial world. But during that time- Did you do college I, and stuff? I did not. Oh, wow. I did not. I started out when I was 17, and I just started working. I just started working. But and, it went, and that's, it's amazing you, you could do that. I, I wonder if you could do that today. I doubt you could. Yes. You can. You Well, I wonder too. I think things are changing a bit though. I feel like things are, are shifting around a bit, but 
I was tenacious and I, I had to survive and mm. people saw that. And, you know, there was no expectation that I had to get paid for any reason. And I would even train college grads to do the work that I knew how to do. Because most time you learn those, the things in college you learn, you don't even use in the no. day-to-day work. You know what I mean? So they have to come and learn something as well. Mm. But I was well, able I mean, to get- So you had your, you, you obviously you had this issue where you were you looking to survive and moving around. Right. And so what was driving you then? I mean, survival was, dri- was driving you. I'm, I'm just curious about this because it's Maslow's hierarchy of need and we don't, you know, when we're struggling in that survival place, we're not always looking for personal development because we, you know, we've got to put food on the table. But what was driving you? Is it just purely that that sense of it? The sense of survival? It was what was driving me absolutely was survival. But I, I'm a sensitive being. Mm. I'm just very, very sensitive. I think maybe not for everybody, but that <laughs> that oftentimes goes hand in hand with empaths with intuitives um hsps highly sensitive people so i needed to i was very sad on the inside like i was broken in many Mm. ways with my life and so even though i was finding ways to feed myself my heart was broken i was i needed my own inspiration there was nothing on my external horizon that supported my soul did your intuition kick in did it help you guide you through this at all that's a really great question. My intuition has always been there, but Mm. I just figured everybody was like this. Like, how do you know how much that's turned on unless somebody can reflect that back to you? But I'd always meet these people that would drop like a very inspiring book on my lap. Like Norman Vincent Peale was the first book I picked up in the nineties and it was called the power of positive thinking. Mm. And that book I was like, whoa, you know, and it was, he was a bit more religious, but so I was drawn to that, that God aspect, but also the power of the mind. And then that led to Gary Zukov, seat of the soul. And then because, you know, being a redhead and being sensitive, my body just um, responded to food and substances very differently than other people. So the call for how um, changing my food was and getting vitamins in my system was exactly what I needed to kind of keep going because some things were coming up for me at the time and I needed to adjust them. Mm. So all these things were building, building, building. And before you knew it, that felt more true to me than what was going on out there at all. And it just got so big that... I I could no longer tolerate what I was dealing with on a daily basis. And essentially what I was dealing with on a daily basis was a reflection of my old conditioning, like the brokerage industry in the nineties. <laughs> right. Well, this was, gre- this was, this was, this was, this was the area of gecko, wasn't it? This is, this was greedy. Oh, good, wasn't it? It was, it was rough, man. Like you, mm. you and a woman in that environment as well. I mean, you exactly. were, a com- you were a commodity. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I was. And actually, we um, it was really bad. And mm. in the early 90s, before anybody really had ever come up with this, I had a sexual harassment lawsuit because it was so bad at the company I worked at. Myself, my human resources, um, head of human resources and this other woman 
And these attorneys I had at the time, they were basically working out of a closet. I didn't even know what they were talking about, but it was so obvious what was going on. And it had been going on for years and women just came out of the closet and we were able to actually take down that company at that time. And now my attorneys do this for all um, those, the people in the world, they just, they built up a reputation and they're out there doing magic right now. Wow. 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 So mover and shaker in a way, you kind of change, change history a little bit, didn't you? A little bit. I think that comes with the red hair. You know, if you get yeah, the red hair, you... <laughs> I think it does. It's not going to be a little bit of a firecracker, but it was good. And I love my men. Don't get me wrong. No, of course. But they just need to treat you fairly. Yeah. No touchy, no feely, none of that stuff. (laughs) But, you know, um, yeah, I still fought my way and I was really, really good at what I did, but I wasn't getting promoted because of what I wouldn't do. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but, but anyway, I, I moved on and I found an inner strength and I, went into the healing business and I, I never looked back. So how do you mean in the healing business? Obviously it's a, it's a very different, that's a very broad church, the healing business. What do you mean by that? <laughs> it is, it is. Well, you know, during that time when I was in the brokerage industry, I uh, was doing yoga. Like I was always drawn to yoga. Mm. Even when I was a real little girl, that was another thing I would do. Like there was a woman on PBS. She had a unitard. It was taupe and she had long, dark hair and, my friends are out catching frogs and I'm like, Ooh, the yoga lady. And I would do yoga. And so I picked up yoga again in the early nineties and I was eating organic, getting massages. And then my ex-husband and I husband at the time moved to California and it was revolutionary because in Chicago, you say you don't eat meat. It takes like an hour to order a taco. They just cannot comprehend what was going on, <laughs> right? And there was one Whole Foods at the time, and it was like 40 minutes away. In the, ni- in the 90s? In the 90s. Yeah, yeah, I can right? imagine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So when I moved to California, I was like, oh, they have organic fast food? What? And vegetarian? Like, they know what this means? And so... um it was like my tribe. And then I started to get this feeling like, mm, you know, late nineties market was getting a little wonky and I'm like <clears throat> healer. I, I actually heard in one of my breaks after, you know, the market slowed down, I would have to be up at five 30 going to get some coffee for the, for the group. And it's like, you're going to be a healer. Like, What the heck is a healer? And so I started to go to school at night for massage therapy at an accredited college out there. And got Reiki trained and then decided to go to China to study um, traditional Chinese medicine, Tui Na and Feng Shui. And the universe just literally opened up for me and I never looked back. So what do you mean by the universe opened up for you? That's another, that's, that's, that, that, that's the, a, a question you just dropped on. Well, that is the bomb you just dropped to me. That has to be opened up. It's box, isn't it? Like, what does that mean? Well, I'm so glad you asked that. Oh, surprise, surprise. I mean, you did set me up for it. (laughs) Well, you know, I love this story because it's, you know, when I'm expressing this, it sounds so effortless and easy, but it was, it was anything, but it was a whole lot of unknown. Right. So I was feeling this inside of me and I, I knew I was getting really done with, with the financial industry, even though the money was great health insurance, 401k, all this. And I'm like, you know what? I am going to go to school in China and study 
Like that calling was so true for me. And this was in February of 2001. Like, I, you know, I've already have all this other schooling behind me at night. I'm doing this. I'm like, well, I bought the tickets. I signed up. I put money down, couldn't get it back. So I had to find a way to leave the industry by October. I gave myself February to October to, to leave, right? To leave my career. And we had a huge party. Um, a lot of traders came in from New York. It was in Palm Desert. And the moment we got back, I came in to go to work and my computer wouldn't turn on. And I looked at my boss and he's like, no, don't look at me. Look at the head boss. I'm like, oh, okay. So I went in and she's like, nope, we have to let you go. And you had to leave that day because I had a, you know, I had my license. I could have done a ticket that would have, you know, taken them down or whatever. So I had to leave that day, but they gave me, they said, if you don't sue us, because we have no reason for letting you go. If you don't sue us, we'll give you a chunk of money and health insurance for a year. What an offer. So I was like, wow. So I, I'm, I'm curious why they wanted to let you go, but they've got no reason for it. Well, they took my assistant and everything that I taught her, they had her do for about half the price. That's illegal. Hence the the fancy check and <laughs> Okay, fair enough. <laughs> and the and and now I I certainly I had been through a lawsuit in the early 90s, but you know, this is how it rolls, right? I mean, in the market in that time, things were changing. The tech companies were going like a whole bunch of weird stuff was happening. Yes. And so cutting costs. My assistant could I've trained her to do everything. Yes, so let's get rid of one. And I didn't want to be caught up in that legality. And here I am now going yeah. to China with yeah. money and health insurance. For yes, a year. of course. I mean, so, uh, I mean, it, it played into you. I mean, it, it, there's there's the kind of like the you know, it, there's the ego kind of like what you're doing to me. And then there's that. Well, OK, maybe it's not so bad after all. <laughs> well, you know, and that was exactly it. Like you would think that I would be like, dang, I scored. But it was um, it was still a shock to my system because I I was, you know, a I had that identity yet as to the conditioning of what I was doing. And, you know, I had gotten my brother in the industry years prior. He started as a runner at the board of trade and worked his own way up. He put his own blood, sweat and tears into that and made something of that for him. And where I came from in Chicago, financial industry is more relatable than a healer. Right. And so here I am. And everything I'd known for over 10 years, I, I said, that's it. I got my nose pierced. I got rid of all my beautiful wardrobe. So in case I got a weak moment, I'd have nothing to wear. And I got a tattoo on my foot, you know, and back then you cannot have piercings or tattoos. So I try to get some fail safes in there. And, uh, and, and I, I, that was my heart though. You know, these things supported me, healed me. And it was a truth that I really, didn't know how the world would adjust to this 20 so, some years so later. you've got to breathe into the new person haven't you you've got to let go of the old person and breathe into the new one you really really <laughs> do and i'll tell you it took me a whole lot of breathing man it took me years years to not i had this you know this shame monster that i like to call it and this this way of thinking that if I didn't have like all of my day done by noon, 
that I certainly was um, non-productive or, you know, not doing a good job at life because I would be up in California by 5.30 a.m. to open that market, get the trades done. Like I had worked out before then, I had been up and then it was like, you know, I would go home in a couple hours. So I had to really redirect my nervous system, my conditioning Mm. and allow myself to find value in who I was on every level, every level of self, my spiritual, my mental, my emotional, and my physical. Because, you know, really I was dropping off a conditioning that I was raised with. Mm. You know, Chicago would work hard. Yes, Chicago is that kind of thing, isn't it? I'd also imagine that kind of industry has a kind of energy around it that you have to have to kind of lock into. As you say, you're up from the markets and Completely. Yeah. Your nervous system is really different. Yeah. It's wired differently. It's not receptive. It's it's more protective, if you will, and 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 active, you know, like kind of like ready for battle in any given moment, whether it was verbal or mental. And so where I was going as a healer required something different altogether. And because I'm so intuitive by nature, I was really settling in to a a truer aspect of me, but it took a lot of ego release, butting up against myself to let that settle in. And I truly believe everybody is empathic this way, for (coughs) sure. Bless you. Excuse me, I wasn't expecting that. Yes. I'm curious, the the industry, and I've spoken to people a bit before, but what kind of industry, you say you're in the financial markets, was this derivatives or was this all markets? Was this kind of very specialist stuff? You know, I did a bunch of everything. I worked on a discount brokerage desk for a while. Um, I had my <laughs> Series 7, my Series 63. I worked in the bond area uh, when bonds were kind of bigger in the early 90s and middle 90s. And then I um, did um, uh, I did the stocks and the discount brokerage desk. But the last I was seen was an IPO, initial public offering desk. And that's when I worked at Solomon Smith Barney in the um, late 90s, early 2000s. For the sake of my listeners, I'm nodding very profusely here as I know what she's talking about. So that's... that's... <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, are you, you're probably aware of that, huh? <laughs> you know that very well. Uh, no, I know. I know what IPOs are, but, I, but some of the other things you mentioned that they're over the top of my head, but it's fine. I, well, I, that's I, good. I, you don't want I'm settling in. No, anyway. no, no. I don't want them settling in there. I, but, it, but it's interesting, like that industry, I mean, it, it, you know, is it just looking at the numbers and things and watching it, or are they actually realizing that their decisions affect real people? I don't know how much you could have the effects of real people on that. <clears throat> you know, I mean, there's something to be said about being not too emotional when mm. you're trading, which is oftentimes probably why people hand over their portfolios to somebody else because you know riding the edge of you know of course they want to succeed and they have their own emotional component in it as a broker or as somebody who takes care of somebody else's finances but you're not as tied into it you know and that's the tricky part uh when you do either your own trading or trading in general is to detach from that emotional aspect so I don't, I don't know. I mean, of course they have somebody else's well-being in mind, but it's a numbers game, really. Yeah, it is. Mm. So you got out of that and you went to China. 
and you yes. discovered a completely new culture. I did. Yeah. What was, that, what was that like? I was only there for a couple months, but it was, uh, oh, I, I loved it. Like it, I loved it. I love, love, loved it. I love the culture. I loved to me the way they kind of uh, take life in, you know, they have the reincarnation aspect. They align their well-being to nature. So when you learn traditional Chinese medicine, somebody just doesn't sit down and say, okay, what do you, what do you see on the body? An itchy spot. Okay, great. Here, take that. And don't get me wrong. There's something to be said for everything we have out there, but traditional Chinese medicine, it's over 5,000 year uh, practice, right? And it takes in the whole being. I had acupuncturists say, tell me some of your dreams. What's going on with you emotionally? You know, what's going on in the family? What's going on in your life? What about your, your spiritual connection? They ask everything. Food is a big part of that. Because, you know, you think about a car. If you have a, an amazing race car, you know, your, your fabulous race car, are you going to go to Walmart and get the oil? Mm. No, you are going to get like the good stuff, mm. right? The real good stuff. And so they have thousands mm. of years of practice and tried and true outcomes of how we can be better in our system with in, in an empowering sort of way. And so that just felt spot on for me because I can't take some of the things that other people can, you know, I can't drink sodas. I can't take certain medicines. My body just can't handle that. So I loved the holistic approach and uh, it's the way they live and it's the way that they think about well-being, and that affects every part of your life. When you're empowered that way, you move through your whole life differently. So I think you get the sense of, because you kind of see, China in the news and you see China in terms of the, the culture of the business side of China and I and I I, I did a couple of trips to China in, in the in the 90, 90s and one early 2000s and certainly I met the the harder business side of that I didn't sure. I didn't see the softer holistic side of it because there's, right. there's there is there is I guess the same in every culture but you know yeah yeah, there's a spectrum of all of it. And the beauty of what I find with their, you know, outside of the business, and I know it's so charged in the ether right now, right? But uh, when you go to the culture of, of who they are as a people and even the medicine, that dates back thousands of years. So it's kind of outside of what we see on the surface right now mm. in regards to how they're how they're playing a role in the world but back you know i i love the culture and i love um the way that they approach life like you said from that more the heart instead of the mind sense for sure mm. so you came back from china and you put out your shingle and you became a became a healer <laughs> yeah that's kind of how it went i came back and uh <laughs> i was asked to be a teacher at the school that i was learning at and so i was like yes and it was an accredited school, one of the only accredited schools in America at the time for massage. And they also studied Eastern and Western practices. And I became a holistic health practitioner. And I went on to get my yoga certification and just a bunch of other training. And the people there were incredible because they could see these other intuitive parts of me that I couldn't even 
articulate. And I would do a massage, like, what's going on with you? Something's going on. I'm like, oh, oh, uh oh, I've been found out. And I would say, yeah, I'm sensing something in here. I'm seeing something and I feel different after I touch every person. They're like, oh, that's a vision. Go ahead, tell us what it is. And you feel ridiculous. Like I'm I'm feeling like, oh my gosh, something's wrong with me. They're like, no, 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 no. It's called a vision. Just say it. <laughs> and so they really held space for me. They were amazing healers as well. And they broadened my perspective to be okay with myself, to trust that unknown. And in that environment, I was able to blossom and add something more to the to the healing work I was already doing. Wow. Yeah. And so I mean, I mean what 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 was the outcome of that? I mean, what how did that how did that manifest in your life? I mean, yes, you're 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 doing healing, but you came right. out of this high end job where you're earning loads of money and healing is not a, a well, I don't know, is it? Well, let me just say this. Knock on wood. Hang on. Let me get some wood somewhere, man. Let me get some wood. I have surpassed what I made in my salary as a broker. Well, welcome. Yeah. And it was all word of mouth. You know, this is my first time kind of coming out of the healer's cave. I think I started Instagram like two months ago and I, I don't even know if I'm doing it right. Like I don't, I don't have, I don't know if I'm following anybody, <laughs> but I, it was all word of mouth, which to me kept me intact with my integrity. And it was amazing because I've been able to take my intuitive gift and see how would, when I share the visions that I get with the people that I'm working with, it relieves them on so many levels. Like when they hear these stories, they hear the visions that I get. Sometimes I'll see, cause I'm a medium as well. One time I'll never forget. I was working on a woman and again, I was just like, not even paying attention to what was about to happen. And I'm working on her and I'm thinking, oh, I'm living the dream again. I'm back in that living the dream thing. <laughs> I'm like, I'm doing my passion. And all of a sudden a man, show, like a vision of a man shows up. And I was like, oh, come on. I'm trying to focus on this, you know? And I, I'm like fighting with this vision because I, I'm like, this is bizarre. And so he wouldn't leave. And now I don't see it out there. I see it in here. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like, if I were to ask you, what's your favorite movie? You know how you get a sense of it in your mind? That's mm -hmm. all that it is. It's nothing fancy. You know, you just kind of see it in that way. So is this when you're actually physically touching or working on someone? Yes. Is this when it comes? Mm -hmm. So, so, it's the, so you're connecting in with the energy of that person and that, yeah. and you're becoming the antenna effectively for, for whatever's oh. coming in. Perfection. That's exactly it. And there's a thing, by the way, not to get too sidetracked, but it's called non-local entanglement. Mm. And it's a way that people who study science understand that when we do come with another, the energy gets entangled and we could absolutely, we register what they think and feel. They've been able to clearly um, track that in a system. So here I am hands-on person shows up and it's a man i still see it to this day and he had these khakis on and this dark flannel and i'm like oh my gosh do i tell her or don't i because she didn't ask and i didn't want to risk losing a client <laughs> and i didn't want to hurt her so i had to find a real tech 
you know, tactful way to gently share what I see. And so I said, well, this is what I got. Take it or leave it. You know, I kind of made it real neutral. And she just sat there. She said, that's my father. That was his favorite outfit. And he had just died a few weeks prior, which is why she had to cancel the appointment the month before. Oh, wow. Nice. So that happens. And so, I so, also see other lifetimes as well. So when, when did this all start? So you, you obviously did came back from China so in the early 2000s? Right. Yeah, 2001. You've been doing this yeah. ever since. And I, yeah, yeah, I've been doing it ever since. And I, yeah, I had my license in 2000 and Reiki trained. And so now I just build on that. And when I do work with people, um, I also am an astrologer. And I use all these other fun divination tools. I, I don't necessarily need them, but they're great ways that we could look at who you are from so many different angles. And um, yeah, and I also see other incarnations. I know that sounds crazy, but I do. And it helps with some of the trauma people have, believe it or not. So, so this is the work that I do now. Yeah. So we'll come on to more of that in a moment. I think let's 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 explore the other questions that we have. So so how do you? I mean, when you were in trading, and obviously mm -hmm. when you first moved out of your home and you know, looking for work, success clearly had a monetary value or right. survival. So how has success changed for you over the years? How do you define success now? Oh, success to me is right now living with in alignment with a truth on every aspect of my being. Mm. So do I listen to my and create space for my spiritual needs every day, which could be my inspiration, you know, my, my private space, my mind is my mind letting go of old rhetoric. Is it really getting in tune with what I value or is it some old stuff going around in there? Right. So I'm always really aware my emotional body do <clears throat> honor that and create space and same with my physical body. And so when I'm in alignment with those things and bring that forth to my family, my husband and my children, that to me, that to me is the ultimate success, that nucleus center. And when you get aligned in that way and you're really in that <clears throat> organic dynamic truth, um, you'd be surprised how, so much more comes into your life that supports you in ways that, you know, maybe the survival component, it completely supports me that way as well. Mm, nice. So yeah. our third question is always about contribution. And, you know, it's like we contribute to the world in some way. We all have, we all offer some contribution and it can be big, can be small. What, what do you feel your contribution is? I walk <laughs> the talk, man. I walk the talk every day of my life. Mm. And there's a saying, you know, be the change you wish to see in the world. Mm. And um, I, I, I just don't talk about it. I don't necessarily intellectualize it, even though I, I can. Um, I, I live this way and I challenge myself daily and there is no end game. There is no finish line. So everything that comes up, I continuously meet that. And isn't it true that necessity is the mother of invention? And so when we meet our own needs fully and truthfully, then we, we ask for more of that 
in the world to show up. Like, you know, in the 90s, there was one Whole Foods. Everybody started needing or wanting organics. And now there's like a Whole Foods on every corner. So so it's important to get right with yourself here. Your relationships then are more authentic. Your health. Hmm. The way you show up in life. Yeah. So it's interesting you touch on health. Like, So to me, it's contribution to me has two sides to the coin. There's a contribution to the world, but it's a contribution to the self. Now, clearly, you're a healer. I'm hoping you you'll contribute yourself a lot. You must, but because it's part of you. But I have to ask the question. <laughs> so, how do I contribute to myself? Yeah, how do you contribute to yourself? Yeah, I work at it. It's it's not easy. Uh, no, I'll tell you, precisely. I have. It's not. I have a lot of, um, you know, the mental aspect of us is where our conditioning lies. You know, our devotion to that feeling connected by primal need to what they say out there. It's that external horizon versus the sovereign self where you really <laughs> adjust to your own horizon, your inner horizon. So my contribution to myself is to trust myself before I trust what goes on out there. That doesn't mean that I'm afraid of what's out there or it's not worthy, but I go here first, you know, mm. before I listen to them or they, because it's it's really not linked up to my greater good. Hmm. Yeah. No, indeed. What sort of things do you do to, to, to look after yourself then? What, 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 is, what is part of your rituals or things that you do that, you, that contribute to you? One of the things that I do, and I have this on my website, so anybody who's interested in it, it's a, it's a sacred clearing and it's a free little tab there. And I call it, the first thing I do is energetic hygiene. So, you know, we brush our teeth, we wash our hands, we take a shower, we take care of this. But there's there's four bodies the spiritual body the mental the emotional and they're very etheric like you can't really touch those right they're energetic then there's the physical the physical is the byproduct of the other three it's the last one on the totem pole mm. yet it's the one that we see the most so we we tend to take care of that more so than the others but that is by definition the very meaning of the somatic experience. Like we might hear that fancy word. All that means is mind-body connection. And I used to tell my students, this is a good example, go to a coffee shop and observe people. See how they're walking around. Are they walking around hunched like this? Now just go ahead, go home, close your eyes, walk around like that all day and tell me what your emotions are. Where's your mind going? What do you feel about yourself in life? versus Goldie Hawn, who's my all-time favorite person to, <laughs> to emulate. When she walks around, you know, she was a dancer. Her heart is open. Her shoulders are down and she leads with this. And what does that feel like? What does that say about who they are? So to get back to your question, I, am, I have a relationship with all four of those aspects of being. I, I say your bodies, those four bodies are your babies. Mm. Do you have a favorite child or do you have a least favorite? Do you have a black sheep? One that you just cannot figure out. And so you just ignore them all the time. When we take part with awareness, we don't have to, you know, master this every day, but just make room 
to pay attention to each of those every day before it asks, then we are doing the work. And when we have justice in here, then we have justice out there because it's a reflection as well. Mm, nice. Hmm. Nice answer. Do you have a favorite body that you pay attention to, Paul? Um, it's a good question. Uh, I am very... I, I write, so I spend time in contemplation most days. I haven't been doing it recently, but when I can, I, I, I sit down with a journal. Nice. So I did that process. I don't meditate as much as I used to, but I do yoga and I run and I run a lot. But my running tends to be part of my meditation. So there are times when I'll run yes. with headphones on and listen, but there are other times when I will run and it's about breathe it's about the the pace it's about this and taking in the world around me so mm. there's quite a lot going on and quite hard to explain on this podcast because i would need to open the door to have that conversation so and i'm happy to do so but i don't i can't do it now because it takes too long but there's a whole there's a lot going on when i do the things that i do so yes i have i'm all very aware that i am more than just the body it's it sounds like it and the yoga to me is like and even the running it is an all-in-one thing when you you know that breath is the healing experience the breath does polyvagal nerve techniques that realigns your whole nervous system yes and so by default you're already there right yes because like I, I i, I i'm a late runner so i i've, I've yes. taken a long time to train in this and so um, i have various techniques that i use to take the breath lower into my body yes Yes, that's and, and, that's and the other things I'll do is when I'm running, I'm I'm opening the door now. I'm not going to go down here. <laughs> when I'm running, <laughs> so what will happen when I'm running is bits of my body will start talking to me. So my ankle will talk, and my knee will talk to me. So I will send them love or attention, and it moves, and and it's like they kind of oh thank you. They kind of and the pain and whatever eases. So there's a kind of consciousness to running, which I don't think a lot of runners realize. Okay, so you were definitely a Buddha in another life, a monk, because uh, that is, that's how it's done, man. That's how it's done. Just the awareness. Yes, well, we'll get on to my past lives in a moment. Shall okay, we? okay. <laughs> Darn, I was hoping we could hop right in. <laughs> so um, the last question, what's the meaning of life for you? Well, not the last question, but the last question of this section, what's the meaning this of life section? for you? To go as deep as you can in all things that show up and come out the other side with a continued open heart. Nice. Yeah. And how does that manifest for you? How do you how do you make that happen? You know, some people have that. That's that's obviously a spiritual calling for you on some level. So how do you manifest that and make it happen? I don't shy away from the dark stuff. <clears throat> hmm. Because wherever you go, there you are. Hmm. So I, I run to it and I allow myself to feel the things. And at the same time, kind of like you at the running, I'm in observer's mode. And, and the other part of me is like, this sucks. This is horrible. Like I'm, I'm having a fit. I'm having my moment. And the other part of me is like, just let it come up, let it come up, be with it. And then once it all does come up, it's not really 
nestled in there anymore. And there's a freedom that comes. And so I love to, um, to really explore what those things are. And when I do, and I just keep being with it till I come out the other side, not with a, I need to love it forced kind of thing, but really landing. So it's not so charged anymore. Mm -hmm. And I fall into, I don't really use the word forgiveness, but I fall into um, understanding Forgiveness to me kind of denotes a polarity. Understanding is more, I can understand that. And that in turn opens the heart. It's amazing. So it's it's a continual practice. And that's how I try to invite, I'm going to be in this world, man, bring it. Just bring whatever it needs to come because I have the awareness. I will work my way through it and find an open heart in the end somehow. Hmm. My conversation with Janine was quite long, so I have broken it into two. So that is part one. Part two will be available very shortly. So make sure you're following and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss it. And that was Life, Passion and Business with Paul Harvey and my guest, Janine Kim. If you'd like to connect with Janine, you can find her at her website, which is janinekim.com. You can also find her on Instagram, themystic.janinekim. You can find details of her book and her podcast and her readings, and it's a great site to check it out. All those links will be available at the website lifepassionandbusiness.com. Hopefully you have been following this podcast for a while and have explored the five questions for yourself. But if not, what's stopping you? You know, after hundreds of interviews, I can say with a hand on my heart that having answers to the questions about our passion, a picture of success, an awareness of contribution, thoughts around the one question and the sense of what it all means, that is the path to a good life. Now look, you don't need me to tell you that our world is changing faster than at any other time, certainly any time that I can remember. And we must be sure to know who we are and what we want out of this journey because we will not get it unless we choose it so please give it some thought because you know your future depends on it and if you'd like some help with that process do check out the resources tab at lifepassionandbusiness.com where you will find the five questions ebook and worksheets now this stuff is packed with exercises to help you on the journey towards self-discovery and it's at the amazing price of just 12.99 so do check that out at the resources tab at lifepassionandbusiness.com now finally has this podcast been useful to you if so please consider giving us a five star review on the app of your choosing and of course sharing it with a friend because that's how people like yourself find good podcasts And that's it from me until Sunday. As always, thank you so much for being here with me on this journey. I so appreciate your time and attention. I'll catch you next time.